You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. This episode is sponsored by Stance Apparel. Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Happy Wednesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. Today is going to be our comprehensive primer, but we are going to attack this a lot differently than we normally do, considering the Bills just played the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. And so instead of really doing a deep dive into the current state of the Patriots and talking about their personnel and all that type of stuff, we're going to hit it from a different angle. We'll do the nuts and bolts, but then I want to talk about what's at stake in this game. Then we're going to talk about what's happened since the Bills and Patriots last met for the Bills and the Patriots and what we've learned about both teams. Then I want to talk about some metrics that stand out to me about both of these teams. And then finally, my keys for the Bills offense against the Patriots defense and my keys for the Bills defense against the Patriots offense. There's going to be a lot of information coming your way today. Tons of data, tons of metrics, just a lot of thoughts and numbers to back up my thoughts. So clear your mind, dial in, and let's dig into this. First, we do have to talk about a couple of COVID issues that are impacting the Buffalo Bills. Cole Beasley, the Bills' starting slot receiver, he tested positive for COVID. He will miss Sunday's game, and he'll be out for 10 days because he's not vaccinated, and that is the rule according to the NFL protocols. John Feliciano, we know he was on the COVID list, but he actually went to the ER recently because of his COVID symptoms, and it sounds like he's having quite the battle with COVID. Now, he since tweeted that he's doing better, but obviously he had a little bit of a rough spell there. And so Beasley, Feliciano, Deion Dawkins is still on the COVID list. Tyrell Dotson is still on the COVID list. A couple of players in the practice squad are on the COVID list. And so just like a great number of teams in the NFL – COVID is impacting the Buffalo Bills. Now let's talk about the nuts and bolts of this game. The Buffalo Bills are on the road in week 16 to face the New England Patriots. The game will be played on Sunday, December 26th at 1 p.m. Eastern time at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. The game will be broadcasted on CBS. Ian Eagle is on the play-by-play. Charles Davis is the game analyst and Evan Washburn is the sideline reporter. And as of 1 p.m. Eastern time on December 21st, when I record this podcast, the weather report for Sunday, courtesy of weather.com, is calling for temperatures around 40 degrees, 5 to 10 mile an hour winds, partly cloudy skies, and no precipitation. So a very different environment this time around compared to what the Bills and Patriots played in in New York a couple of weeks ago. 
What's at stake in this game? Well, the AFC East is at stake. Let's talk about some of the scenarios moving forward. If the Bills win out, they win the division. That is the most simple path for the Bills to win the AFC East this year. They win out at New England and then home against the Falcons and Jets. Not crazy to think that's possible. Now, outside of the Bills winning out and winning the division, there's a few other scenarios that we need to mention. If the Bills lose or tie on Sunday against the Patriots, there is no path to winning the division, even if the Bills win their last two and the Patriots lose their last two. So if the Bills want to win the AFC East, they have to beat New England on Sunday. Now, assuming a Bills win over the Patriots, the Bills can lose to the Falcons and beat the Jets and win the AFC East if the Patriots lose to either the Jaguars or the Dolphins over their final two games. So the Bills can win against New England, lose to the Falcons, and beat the Jets, and they'll still win the division if the Patriots drop one of their final two games. And then lastly, there is a path for Miami to win the division, but there are a bunch of dominoes that need to fall for that to happen. Basically, they need an outright better record than the Bills, and they have to be at least tied with the Patriots. And so all three teams are still in it. There's a very clear path. If the Patriots win, they're probably going to win the division. If the Bills win, they've got a really good chance of, of winning the division. And then there's that scenario where Miami can sneak up at 7-7 seven and seven and claim the AFC East. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away, and On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Do you appreciate a well-executed defensive strategy? Of course you do. You're a Bills fan. Just as important as your defensive line is your defensive strategy against thick guacamole. Don't settle for weak chips that can't hold the line. Grab Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips, the 6'4", 260-pound linebacker of chips. And folks, they've been sending me these chips all year long, and I got to tell you, they live up to the test. They don't break in guacamole. They don't break in the buffalo chicken dip or the artichoke dip that we love to enjoy here at my house. They are very, very successful at not breaking, and they taste delicious. They're seasoned very well. They have the perfect crunch and texture. They are a top-of-the-line tortilla chip, and that's because every chip is trained to successfully deliver the perfect, crunchy, guac-filled bite, and that's because they're actually cut and fried from tortillas and grown from organic flint corn in the Buffalo, Rochester area. So pick up a bag at your local Wegmans or Whole Foods Market today and say no 
to weak and crappy tortilla chips forever. All right, so let's talk about what's happened since the Bills and Patriots last played from the Bills angle and what we've learned about the Bills since that loss to New England on Monday Night Football. So what's happened since the Bills lost to Tampa Bay in a game where we saw some resilience from the Bills on the road against a tough opponent and then a convincing win over the Carolina Panthers at home. Now, what have we learned? A lot. First of all, we've seen more diversity from the Bills offense. Josh Allen has been under center a lot more, and there's been a lot more play action, and there's been the Isaiah McKenzie jet motion. There's been some things that have been different about the Bills offense, and we'll kind of dig into that as we work through my list here. But just first and foremost, we've seen more diversity within the Bills offense. We've also seen some offensive line issues, and hopefully Deion Dawkins can be cleared to play for this game and he's healthy and ready to go because the Bills need him at left tackle. We saw Spencer Brown at left tackle against Carolina, and I'm sure I can speak for everyone in that we don't want to see that ever again. And the Bills don't necessarily have a very clear answer at left tackle should Dawkins not be available. Darrell Williams isn't an option. Perhaps you can try Tommy Doyle, but that sounds crazy to me. Perhaps you can try Ryan Bates. But my guess is it's going to be Spencer Brown again if Dawkins can't go. And then that creates a world of issues. You're probably going to see Cody Ford again at right guard. I don't anticipate John Feliciano being ready for this game. And so there's a lot of question marks about this Bills offensive line. We've also seen the emergence of Gabriel Davis. Over the last two games, he has 15 targets, 10 receptions, 128 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. He leads the Bills in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns over the last two weeks. Now, I also thought it was interesting looking at the target distribution for the Bills over the last two games. Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs are tied for the team lead with 18 targets. Then it's Gabriel Davis at 15, Dawson Knox at 14, Devin Singletary at 7, Isaiah McKenzie with 3, and then Tommy Sweeney and Emmanuel Sanders with 1 each. So this has really become the Beasley, Diggs, Davis, and Knox show. And now we know that Cole Beasley's not playing in this game. And so those targets are probably going to go to Davis and to Isaiah McKenzie. I'm guessing that this is really going to become Isaiah McKenzie's gig at slot, especially with Marquez Stevenson taking over as the primary kick and punt returner. And so I guess that's the silver lining here is that we'll get a chance to see even more Isaiah McKenzie in the offense and even more targets for Diggs, Davis, and Knox. So that's definitely something new is the emergence of Gabriel Davis as a top option in this passing game. Another new thing for the Bills since they played the Patriots last is Devin Singletary being the lead back. I mean, the Bills have a legitimate lead back right now in Devin Singletary. Over the last two games, he has 26 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown, 5.3 yards per carry, and 3.46 yards after contact per attempt. And that's an impressive number. Devin Singletary's playing well over the last two games since he's been the guy. He also has seven catches for 47 yards. 
he has been the running back production. And so for years, it's been a 1A and a 1B type situation when it comes to the Bills running back room, right? We've heard Sean McDermott come out and say that it's not good for one back to carry the load. They want two guys working together to take care of the running back duties, but it has very quickly become exclusively Devin Singletary as the primary ball carrier and receiver out of the backfield. In fact, Matt Breida has no catches and four rushes for 13 yards over the last two games. That's it. That's it. So 26 carries and seven catches for Devin Singletary, four rushes and no catches for Matt Breida over the last two games. And of course, Zach Moss is a complete non-factor. He's inactive. So that's definitely a prominent storyline when we consider what's new for the Bills since they played the Patriots. Also, another significant thing when it comes to the Bills rushing attack is that they have more gap runs than zone runs over the last two games. And the Bills have kind of transitioned to a zone heavy rushing offense. Now they're going back towards gap. And that's been a major shift in terms of the trajectory of the way things went last year and earlier this season. Another thing that's new for the Bills since they last played the Patriots is Dane Jackson settling in as Tredavious White's replacement. And he's played well. According to PFF, since week 12, when Trey White got injured, Dane Jackson has been targeted 17 times and allowed just eight catches for 75 yards. That's a reception percentage of 47.1. He has four pass breakups and a passer rating of 59.7 against his coverage in 241 total snaps and 124 in coverage. That's pretty doggone impressive. So you can't overstate how important Trey White is to this defense, but Dane Jackson's played pretty well. And of course, he's tackled very well against the run. It's also worth pointing out that the Bills' defensive line production continues to be missing. Over the last three games, the only three Bills defensive linemen to record a sack are F.A. Obata, Eli Anquo, and Starla Tulele. Two for Obata, one for Anquo, and one for Latulele. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, A.J. Ebenezer, Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver, Vernon Butler, Harrison Phillips. Nope. Obata, Anku, and Star. You need more from this group. You need more from this group. One of the things that I talked about when we were discussing the defense without Trey White, it was, all right, defensive line, it's time. It's time to make some plays. And they haven't. They haven't. There's been some pressures. There's been some tackles for loss. But we still need to see more from this defensive line. And no time like the present for that switch to flip. The other thing that continues to be missing from this defense are takeaways. In the five games since recording five turnovers against the Jets, the Bills defense 
has forced two takeaways. That's it, two. The Jordan Poyer interception against the Saints, all right, good play. And then A.J. Klein's interception at the end of the Carolina game where Cam Newton literally just threw it to him. And it was at the end of the game where the Bills were up 31-14, to and the Panthers were just trying to desperately come back. I mean, that's it. So the Bills were this turnover-producing machine earlier this year, and over the last five games, they really haven't taken away the football. And so, no time like the present for that to change. Then real quick on special teams, Marquez Stevenson, he's taken over as the primary kick and punt returner, and that's another new thing for the Bills since they last played the Patriots. Now let's do exactly what we just did for the Bills, but for the Patriots. What's happened since the Bills and Patriots last played and what we have learned. Well, the Patriots had their bye following the Bills game, and then they lost on the road to the Colts. And so what stood out to me about the Colts game for New England is, first of all, Carson Wentz, the quarterback for the Colts, in a winning performance, went 5 of 12 for 57 yards with a touchdown and an interception. The Colts had 39 rushes for 226 yards and a touchdown. They gashed the Patriots on the ground. And the Patriots' run defense has been bad all year. And especially over the last three games. Over the last three games, the Patriots have given up 595 rushing yards. 270 to the Titans, 99 to the Bills, and 226 to the Colts. Earlier this year, they gave up 152 to the Jets, 142 to the Saints, and 163 to the Chargers. Their run defense has been bad all year, and it's been especially bad over the last three games. Continuing on things that stood out to me regarding the Patriots against the Colts. It was the first time since week four, a nine-game stretch, that the Patriots didn't gain at least 100 rushing yards on offense. They had 81 yards on 19 carries. And they got behind. They didn't score a point until the fourth quarter. And Mac Jones had 45 passing attempts. The score of this game was 14 to nothing after the first quarter, 17 to 0 at halftime, and 20 to 0 entering the fourth quarter. So the Colts did what Sean McDermott's been preaching force other teams to become one dimensional and you stay two dimensional. And the Colts put. Mac Jones in a position where he had to throw the football and the Patriots had to get away from running the ball. And I thought Mac Jones played well in that fourth quarter and put the Patriots in a decent chance to really come back. But forcing the Patriots to lean on Mac Jones proved to be a good recipe for the Colts. Looking at Mac Jones's performance in this game, there are several things that stood out to me. Number one, it was the first time all season that his average time to throw was over three seconds. He was at 3.06 seconds 
average time to throw. It was only the second time this year that his average depth of target was over 9.2 yards, and I think it was just a tick over 11. And so he held onto the ball way longer than he normally does, and he threw the football down the field a lot more than he normally does. Also, his screen plays and play action, that went down notably. Typically, screens are called on 10.3% of the plays for the Patriots. It went down to 4.3, and the play action percentage is normally 27.5, and it went down to 17. And so more throws down the field. He held onto the ball a lot longer than he normally does. Way less screens and way less play action. You get a lead on the Patriots, and you force them to get out of that rushing attack and lean on Mac Jones in the passing game, it's a good recipe. Also, the the running back production in terms of yards after contact went down quite a bit compared to what it was against the Bills. Against Buffalo, the New England Patriots running backs averaged 3.47 yards after contact per attempt. Against the Colts, a very good tackling team, the Patriots running backs only produced 2.5 yards after contact per attempt. And the Patriots are almost exclusively a gap-blocking scheme. There's really no zone runs. And so it's about maintaining your run fits, triggering downhill, and tackling. They want to move bodies out of the way and allow their running backs to run through a designed gap. And so run fits, gap integrity, getting downhill, tackling. You got to do those things against this team. It's gap blocking. It's pretty straightforward. Get downhill, make plays. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar built bar filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, but high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy, and they have so many great flavors. You're going to have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? You just got to tell Santa to bring you some Bilt Bars. If you know Santa, if you're friends with Santa, tell him to bring you some Bilt Bars and fill up that stocking with so many delicious flavors, they'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. I've got a deal for you. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. In this last segment, I want to talk about the metrics that stand out to me for both teams in this game, and then keys for the Bills' offense and keys for the Bills' defense. So let's work through these metrics. It's going to feel kind of random, but as I look through a great number of statistics every week in preparation for the Bills' upcoming opponent, a lot of things stand out to me, and I want to kind of just share it all with you here. So first of all, this game features the top two scoring defenses in the NFL. Patriots are first at 16.2 points per game, and the Bills are second at 17.4 points per game. And so, two good defenses that are tough to score on. Next, you have the top two best 
pass defenses in the NFL in net yards per attempt. The Bills only allow 5.1 net yards per attempt. That's first in the NFL. And the Patriots are second at 5.5 net yards per attempt allowed. So two good defenses and two elite pass defenses. The Bills have only given up 11 passing touchdowns this year. Only five passing touchdowns to a wide receiver. That's crazy. The Pats' red zone offense has struggled all season long. They only score a touchdown on 54% of their trips to the red zone. That is 24th in the NFL. You also have two of the best red zone defenses in the NFL in this game. The Patriots are number two in the NFL. They only allow a touchdown on 45.9% of the opponent's trips to the red zone. The Bills, very good as well. They're number six at 50%. The penalty discrepancy in this game is notable. The Bills are 27th in the NFL in penalties called against them. The Patriots are ninth. That's a big gap. And so you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot with bad penalties. And the Patriots do a good job of not getting penalties called against them. I found this to be interesting. The Patriots don't have touchbacks very often when they kick off the football. They have the fourth lowest touchback percentage in the NFL. They do that on purpose. They want you to return the ball, and they want to tackle you inside the 25-yard line. And the Bills are pretty low in terms of touchback percentage as well. They subscribe to a very similar philosophy. And that's interesting because the Patriots and Bills are the top two teams in terms of average starting field position in the NFL. The Bills, number one, at 32.3, and the Patriots, number two, at 32.2. And so these two teams do a great job, an elite job, at winning the field position battle. The Patriots, great at forcing turnovers. They get a turnover on 18.1% of drives against their defense. That's third best in the NFL. And despite what I told you earlier about how the takeaways are missing for the Bills, they're still sixth in the NFL in creating turnovers and 15.4% of drives against their defense end in a turnover. And so you can kind of see where this game's going to go, right? Two teams that are good at forcing turnovers. Maybe not the Bills so much lately, but over the course of the season, they have been. Two teams that are really good in terms of winning the field position battle. Two teams that are really good in terms of red zone defense. Two teams that are really good at stopping the pass and limiting points. This is going to be one heck of a ball game. Here's another thing that stands out to me. Missed tackles. You guys know I talk about this all the time. The Bills are fourth in the NFL in terms of most missed tackles, 107, and the Patriots are a great tackling defense. They've missed only 75 tackles this year. That's 27th in the NFL. And so as we find a couple of spots here, missed tackles and penalties, those are two things that the Patriots do a lot better than the Bills. Here's something that really stood out to me as well. We're going back to special teams. Opposing kickers are 17 of 28 kicking field goals against the Patriots. That's a field goal made percentage of 60.7. That's the best in the league by a lot. The next closest is Denver at 73.1. So 
Kickers are missing kicks all the time against New England. They're not missing very often at all against the Bills. Opposing kickers against the Bills this year are 18 of 20, 90%. And the Bills are one of only three teams in the NFL to not have a single extra point missed against them all season. And so it'd be nice for some of these kickers to start missing against the Bills. And it'd be nice for some of these kickers to start making kicks more consistently against New England. And then the last metric that I have here that stands out to me that I want to share is you have the two best teams in the NFL at defending tight ends. The Patriots have allowed only 39 catches this year to tight ends. That's first in the NFL. The Bills have only allowed 47 catches. That's second in the NFL. And so I remember a lot of discussion this offseason about how the Bills can't defend tight ends. And I sat here and told you it's because Matt Milano's hurt and suddenly he's not hurt and the Bills can stop tight ends again just like they could in 2019 and 2018. All the data told you that the Bills are really good at stopping tight ends, but they're not when Matt Milano's not available. And so I think we can very clearly put aside that narrative from this offseason. The Bills are really good at stopping tight ends. So what are my keys for the Bills offense against the Patriots defense? Number one, run the ball. If you think the Bills run defense is bad, the Patriots are notably worse. Just nobody's talking about it. Nobody's calling the Patriots a soft defense. But they stink at stopping the run. And maybe the Bills aren't the team that's going to really take advantage of that. But you got to try. And so I'm not calling for an overly aggressive game plan when it comes to running the football. But you need to mix it in very effectively because the Patriots can be had on the ground. So run the ball. Mix it in very effectively. Continue to ride Devin Singletary and what he's shown you over the last two games. Number two is take care of the ball and don't beat yourself. The Patriots are really good at forcing turnovers and they don't commit a lot of penalties. And unfortunately, the Bills are very good at committing penalties. The Patriots are the type of team that invite you to beat yourself. You've seen the Bills fall into that several times this year. They did it against New England. Go back and listen to that game reaction podcast. The Bills had every opportunity to win that game, but a turnover, a penalty, a drop pass, they shot themselves in the foot. It wasn't about anything New England did. It was about what the Bills didn't do. You need to reverse that. Don't beat yourself. The Patriots want you to. That's their entire script. They want you to beat yourself. Don't do it. Don't fall into it. Take care of the ball. Don't commit penalties. Catch the ball when it's thrown to you. Number three, continue with more Josh Allen under center. Continue with more play action. I think if you do that, it's going to help your run game and it's going to help your pass game. We talked about this on herd mentality I think one of the first questions that I answered was about why it was such a benefit for Josh Allen to be under center. And I talked about how it makes the offense more deceptive and less predictable and how it gives the running back a head start when they receive the ball instead of taking it from a static alignment and how it improves the timing between the quarterback's drop and the rhythm of the routes. Like it's There's so many good things that exist. Continue that. 
Then number four, use everybody. Use all of your weapons. The Patriots are notorious for this mindset of, we want you to play left-handed. And I think even without Cole Beasley in the lineup, the Bills have plenty of weapons to get the ball to. Steph Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox. Throw it to Devin Singletary. Sprinkle in some Jay Kumaro. Whatever you want to do, get everyone involved. And really put stress on this Patriots defense to try to take something away. And even if they do, you have a lot of different ways that you can win games. Tap into it. What are my keys for the Bills' defense against the Patriots' offense? I've got five. Number one is don't assume they will all of a sudden just throw the ball against you. We all remember Mac Jones was two of three passing for 19 yards in a win. They're not just going to come out and throw the ball like crazy. That hurt them against the Colts. And it didn't hurt them against the Bills. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball until the Bills prove they can stop it. So I know that it's going to be more normal conditions, but don't just assume that New England is going to become this balanced team. I expect them to be very aggressive running the football. Number two, we know this about Mac Jones. He functions within the rules of the play. Disguise your coverage, spin late, force him to work progressions. And that's when when the wheels fall off for Mac, when he has to really exhaust progressions, push the ball down the field, hold on to it longer than he wants to. That's where he struggles. So continue to tap into those types of things that have made the Bills' defense really good for a long time. Number three is tackle. If there's a week where you want the missed tackle stuff to go away, it's this one. Be consistent with tackles. Don't give them yards after contact. Don't give them yards after the catch. That's what they do. They want yak, and they want yards after contact in terms of running the ball. So be secure. Rally to the football. Everyone hustling on every play. Get to the ball and get people on the ground. Number four, more from this defensive line. I don't know how many ways you can say it. There's a lot invested And they need to step up. They need to make more plays. They need to be more consistent. So again, if there ever was a time for this defensive line to have a big-time game, it's this week. And then number five, force field goals in the red zone. We know that the Patriots' red zone offense has not been good this year. Keep it that way. Force them to kick field goals. And so I hope that through working through all of these numbers and this data, that it gives you the right picture going into this game. You know all about what the Patriots have in terms of coaching and players and personnel, but we really dug into the weeds today on some metrics and statistics that I think paint the right picture to give us the right perception going into this game, and that allows us to gain an understanding of what the Bills need to do to come away with a win. And it all ties back to what we talked about at the beginning. If you don't win this game, there is no path for the Bills to win the division this year. You got to have it. 
And that's why I went deep on some of these numbers to really get us on the same page with a true understanding of what these teams are and what these teams aren't. So I hope you found this insightful. I certainly enjoyed putting it together. And our discussion on the Patriots doesn't stop here. Tomorrow, Mike DeBate, he's going to join us for the crossover podcast. And we are going to talk Bill's Patriots again. And this time through an even more urgent lens than we did a few weeks ago. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.